Sunday morning church. It's great to see you this morning. Let me invite you to stand with us as we lift our voices and praise and worship this morning. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise Him. This morning, we're going to sing a song about the power of praise. I invite you to sing along with us.
Well, good morning, and thank you for coming. My name is Brad. I'm the pastoral intern here, and I just wanted to give you a big, warm welcome to Stetson Baptist. I'd ask if you could, if you could please check in for us. That information should be behind me. We would love to know that you're here, and then we just love to uh, to just you know stay in touch with that. Uh, I also want to point you to our our monthly bulletin that sits in the foyer right outside these doors. If you want to stay in the loop and know what's going on during this crazy, crazy summer, please grab one of those on your way out. I got three announcements for us this morning. The first one is that World Changers is coming up June 19th through 24th. If you've never been a part of World Changers, this is very exciting. High schoolers from all across the U.S. are coming to DeLand and they're coming to serve our community. It's going to be awesome. If you want to be a part of that, please just text WC to the church's number to get plugged in. There is a a wide capacity. Uh, You do not have to pick up a paintbrush or, or go roofing in the Florida summer to be a part of this. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities. So please come be a part of that. Our next thing is the VBS Mega Meeting is after the 11 o'clock service. This is our big, big meeting for VBS. So we're all on the same page. And so we know what we're doing. VBS takes a lot to pull off. I think Pastor Justin said last service that there are 340 kids currently signed up. So this is awesome. Yeah. They all get to hear the gospel. This is a killer opportunity to serve our community. Please come be a part of that. Come to the meeting after the 11 o'clock service. Lunch will be provided. Uh, If you are already signed up to be a volunteer, you probably got an email about this. If you did not, then you are not a part of our mailing list. Uh, We would love for you to be a part of that. This helps us Keep in, keep in contact with each other so you know all the big events, so you get all of Pastor Dan's spam emails. This is perfect opportunity for you. I'm kidding about that part. We don't contact you that much, but uh, please, if you haven't already, just text mail to the church number so we can keep you up to date. All right, that's it for our announcements. Let me pray for us, and we'll continue in worship. God, we come to you humbly this morning, just wanting to worship you to the most. Lord, with with song and with message, God, with our hearts, I just pray that uh, we, we leave the distractions at the door, God. We come to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 says that we can cast all our cares on him, for he cares for us. And another translation says, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. We sing to a God this morning who is faithful and that we can trust with everything that's on our heart today. Would you stand as we sing this song of God's faithfulness? What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the I stand 
God's faithfulness. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the Sing it out, church. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness.
never change, God. You freed the captives. You freed the captives then. You're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touched the lepers then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. He's a faithful God. Let's proclaim this chorus one more time, church. Oh God, my God, I need you. We need him in our lives today. Let's sing it out. Some really cool music supposed to be playing right now. I promise you, really neat music. Come next week, you'll get to hear it. That'll be great. Well, good morning. So good to see you this morning. So glad that we had the opportunity to be together. What a wonderful time of worship we've already had. And uh, just so grateful for what God's doing in our midst. Uh, you may have already heard, but uh, just to make it official, uh, last Sunday, First Baptist Church of Lake St. Louis voted uh, Pastor Andrew in as their senior pastor at a 98% affirmative vote. Isn't that awesome? I know that feels a little weird. Yay, he's leaving. That's not the idea, okay? Uh, it just simply means that we are, we are so pleased and, and excited about what God has done uh, in his life and bringing him to this point. And it's, it's an exciting thing. And so I just want us to be encouraged by that and, and uplifted by that. So what a wonderful, wonderful thing. Speaking of that, there is a, por- there is a point of business that we need to take care of. And that is, since uh, Andrew has officially been called into that position. We are now in the process of searching for our next student pastor. And so what you're going to see behind me is you're going to see a list of names that our nominating committee is presenting to you uh, as a potential and a nominated student pastor search committee. And so you see those names, Nicole Harper, Allison Kingsley, Christy Cush, Earl Lundy, Tom Mahegan, Christy Thompson, and Nate Wagner. This is a moment of business. We don't really get into this a whole lot, but if you uh, approve of those names uh, serving on that very important committee, would you say I? If you do not approve, would you say no? I love doing nominating committee reports because if you say no, you get to serve. That's how that works, okay? You get named if you say no. So anyway, thank you so much to these people. We'll be taking care of this in all three services today so that they can go ahead and begin their work. Well, this morning, we're going to continue in our series through the book of Galatians. We started last week, so if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Galatians chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, there's one right there in front of you, and if you grab that, and if you don't have a copy 
copy of God's Word in your home. We would welcome you to take that home. That's our gift to you. We believe every home uh, should have a copy of God's Word, and so you're welcome to take that as our gift to you. Galatians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. If you can't find it, it's on page 972 of that Bible that's in front of you. So uh, you're welcome to, uh, to stick with me. How many of you have ever invited somebody to church, and when you invite them to church and you tell them where you go to church, they say, I'm not going to that church. There's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down at that church. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, I've heard it. I mean, I've I've experienced it. What we're going to learn today is that hypocrisy did not start in the modern day church. It's been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, we're going to find that hypocrisy actually existed in the early church, in the Galatian church. We're going to see that hypocrisy started even with some of the disciples of Jesus, the people that actually hung out with him, spent time with him. The hypocrisy has been around for a long, long time. Today what we're going to read is we're going to read kind of a story in two parts. And the first part is going to set up the second part. But I want us to uh, to understand uh, where we are and set the foundation first. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then after 14 years, I, that is Paul, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them... Them are the disciples that spent time with Jesus and set before them, though privately before those who, uh, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Now, just to give a little bit of explanation, Paul here, if you remember, if you were here last week, Paul received a revelation of the message that needed to be preached from Jesus. He spent three years in the wilderness making sure that he had that message. And then he went up and spent a couple of weeks hanging out with the disciples, Peter in particular, to make sure that what he heard was exactly what Jesus had taught. Now, 14 years later, he's going back to spend a little bit more time with the disciples to make sure that his message matches with the message that they are preaching. That while they might be preaching to different people, that their message is saying the same. He even adds, he says, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. I'll get back to that. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that, we, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Understanding. Um, Paul was going up and he was sharing the message that he was preaching. It was a message of freedom in Christ. It was a message of salvation by grace. It was a message of forgiveness. It was a message of, of, of liberty in Christ, of recognizing that they could be freed from the slavery and the, the intention of the law so that they could live under the message and the, and the, the law of Christ. And, and so Paul, I mean, Paul is speaking this message and he's teaching it to all of these people. And he goes up and he shares with the disciples, hey, this is the message I'm teaching. Is that good with you? They say, yes, that's great with us. We're going to see that here in just a minute. He takes with him a guy by the name of Titus. Titus is important to this because Titus was not Jewish. Titus was a believer, but he was not Jewish. He had not grown up in a Jewish home. He was Greek. He He had not grown up in a Jewish upbringing. He did not grow up following Jewish practices and Jewish laws. His parents were not Jewish. They did not raise him as Jewish. And on the eighth day, they didn't make him Jewish. Y'all with me? Okay. Some of you are like, I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll make it a little bit clearer in just a moment, but for those of you who have kids in the room, not too clear, okay? So basically, uh, the, the idea was that this Jewishness was all-encompassing, but mainly the place where people were telling people that they needed to be Jews was in the area of circumcision, which is why there were a lot more female members of the church than there were male members of the church. You got me. And it was, to say the least, uncomfortable. 
to think about converting to Christianity if we were also going to have to convert to Judaism. Dads would drive up to the church and say, go on in, I'll sit in the car. I don't know that I want anything to do with that, right? Titus, he says, Titus was with me, Titus was there. And so therefore, we did not have a situation where, where, uh, where Titus was able to kind of be presented. And, and they accepted him, even though he was, he was Greek. They accepted him as a believer. Now, there were some who slipped in through the cracks, who came in trying to influence them. Remember, we gave these people a name last week. We didn't give them. We just, I just told you what they're called. They're called the Judaizers. They're saying belief in Jesus is good, but you need to be Jewish too. If you're really going to believe in Jesus, you need to believe in Jesus and be a Jew. Paul was saying, no, that is not the teaching of Scripture That is not the teaching of of what God's word says. That is not the teaching of Jesus. And so he was preaching this message. It says, verse 6, it says, And from those who seem to be influential, by the way, that's the Judaizers. They had taken a a high position in the culture. From those who seem to be influential, (laughs) what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. I was not listening to them. Didn't matter how influential they were. Didn't matter how much power they had. Didn't matter how loud their voice was. I was not going to listen to them because I knew the message that I was preaching and teaching. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, definition, Gentiles, Jews, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me, through me for mine to the Gentiles. God was working through both Peter and through Paul. And when James and Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. In other words, good job, guys. You're doing it right. Keep going. Don't change anything. You're preaching a good gospel. That we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So long story short, Paul goes up to Jerusalem after 14 years of preaching this message. He says, hey guys, here's my message. It's a message of freedom. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message of grace. It's a message of salvation by accepting Jesus and accepting Jesus alone. It's a message of of receiving Christ in your heart and living with Christ as your Savior. And that's all that it takes. And the people say, that's good. Good job. Good message. We give you the right hand of fellowship. How about you go to the Gentiles, we'll go to the Jews, but we're preaching the same message and we'll meet together and we'll be together. He says, he says, listen, you've got a good message. I love the last phrase. He says, the only thing they asked me to remember was to remember the poor. So they didn't want their message to just be high and mighty. They wanted their message to be very practical. Meet the needs of people. Make sure that you're making a difference in people's lives. Great. That's part one of the story. Part two of the story starts in verse 11. <laughs> it starts with, but, but when Cephas, that's Peter, when, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Wait a minute. I thought you guys were friends. I thought you guys liked each other. You keep going up to Jerusalem to meet with him. Why would you oppose him? But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Why did he stand condemned? He gives the answer. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came... He drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Now, just to make sure that we understand, Gentiles and Jews ate differently. How many of you had bacon this morning, you bunch of Gentiles? Aren't you glad that you're a Gentile? Isn't that great? I'm so happy for that. If so pork was one of the things on the dietary restrictions from Jewishness. And Peter, who was a Jew, yet he's a Jew who believes in Jesus. Peter, who was a Jew, is sitting down with the Gentiles and having a meal. 
which makes him act very non-Jewish. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. He's spending time with them. He might have been even eating bacon. I know. How terrible. But what that meant was he was embracing the Gentile lifestyle because he was realizing and, and demonstrating that there's nothing wrong with the Gentile lifestyle as long as you believe in Jesus. But when James, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the Jerusalem church, when James comes down, he's a Jew. He's a Jew believing, but he's a Jew. And he's a strong Jew. And he's a, he's a Jew that, that, that could maybe fall over into being one of those Judaizer type people. He wasn't, but he could fall into that. By the way, just so you know, Acts chapter 15, all of the kind of known teachers of the message of Jesus all come together. And they had this big meeting about this topic. It's a huge meeting. It's called the Jerusalem Council. I mean, like the Jerusalem Council. Doesn't that sound important? It was important. And the reason it was important was it was to make sure that the people knew that the Gentiles did not have to become Jews before they became Christians. It's a very important council, something we should be very pleased with. So so James comes into Antioch, a, a, a Greek city, a Gentile city, where Peter's been hanging out with all of the Gentiles, eating with them. Oh, how, how terrible is that? And all of a sudden, as soon as James shows up, Peter goes, I don't know if I want to be around you guys. I am a good Jewish Christian. Don't pass the pork. I'm going to follow all the laws. Paul sees this and he opposes him. Verse 13, it says, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas, Paul's friend, was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Can I put that into today's words? If you, though a believer, sometimes act like a non-believer, how can you expect a bunch of non-believers to act like believers? Friends, one, one of the messages that we can get from this is the reality that sometimes we in the church look at the world and we expect the world to act like the church. The world's just acting like the world. You know why? Because they are the world. And we do not need to put these requirements in front of people to say, hey, act like us so that you can be like us. No, the first step is for them to be like us in Christ. And then we can work on actions. It's a second step. It's really not about that. It's really about what do they believe, what's in their heart, what is going on in their life how is the gospel making a difference? So, one story, two parts. How do we take this and apply it? Well, in the same way that there's one story and two parts, there's two parts to this application. The first way that we can apply this is to make sure that we are teaching an accurate and complete gospel message. It's kind of that first part of the story where Paul goes up to Jerusalem and says, hey, listen, I need to be sure that I'm, I'm saying the right things. I need to be sure that I'm teaching the right things. I need to be sure that we're kind of aligned, that we're, in, that we're together. Friends, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to say this as clearly as I, prob- I probably should, but there are many, many, many messages out there in the world today that look like a gospel message, but they're not. One of those, and probably the most prominent, is this. Believe in Jesus and your life will be better. Believe in Jesus so you'll have it easy. Believe in Jesus so you'll be happy. Your marriage will be good. Your home will be perfect. You'll have more money. You you won't be sick. 
You won't have any difficulties or struggles. If you just believe in Jesus, then everything's going to work out. There's a Greek word for that. Hogwash. (laughs) Friends, that is not a true gospel message. Believing in Jesus does not make everything work out. As a matter of fact, I've experienced, and some of you have too, that sometimes it's literally our belief in Jesus that makes our life harder, that makes our walk more difficult. Sometimes it's believing in Jesus that actually puts us into predicaments that we don't know how to get out of. Sometimes it's believing in Jesus that will place struggles in front of us. Isn't this the most encouraging thing you've heard all day? It's true. Believing in Jesus doesn't make everything just work out. When you believe in Jesus, the rest of your life isn't going to be a bed of roses. You're going to have some hard times. Naturally hard times. Also supernaturally hard times. We need to make sure that we are preaching and teaching an accurate gospel message. And that we're not just trying to to sway people into believing, but we're giving them the truth, saying, here's what belief means. Here's what faith means. Teach and preach an accurate gospel message. Here's the second thing that I think we can see from this scripture, this, this second part of the story, that we, where we see Peter and the rest of the Jewish believers exhibit hypocrisy. And I know that that's not true of anybody in this room. But friends, our life must always equal our message. Our life, our life has got to be lived out in light of the message that we preach. We, we must fight against hypocrisy. We've got to do everything that we can to try to make sure that, the, that what people see in us is what they hear from us. That the message that we teach is the message that we live. We, the world is too adept at seeing our inconsistencies for us to add some. We, we are really good at being inconsistent. Friends, we must match up our life with our teaching. And I know that, that me just saying that means that everybody's going to go out and do it now. Like that, that's it. That, okay, oh, thank you, Pastor I appreciate it. From now on, my life will, will equal everything I teach is what I'll do. That's what's going to happen. I, I doubt it. Because teaching something and living it out are, are different things. If you, if you don't believe it, um, think back. For some of you, think back. Or for some of you, I'll just give you a warning. Think back to when your first child started driving and you sat in the passenger seat while they were driving. They had their permit and they were driving here and they were driving there. And you know what you said over and over and over? Watch your speed. Watch your speed. Hey, oh, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Oh, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. You know what you never said to your kid? Speed up. Go faster, faster! You were always saying, slow down, slow, slow, slow. Ooh, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. But when you sat in the driver's seat and they sat in the passenger seat and they watched the speedometer and they said things like, Dad? I thought you said we weren't supposed to go over the speed limit. Son, do as I say, not as I do. 
Son, I, I think they mismarked the speed limit on this particular road. You know, we, we have a tendency to, to, to teach one thing and then live another. And that, that's a ridiculous illustration, but it is so true in that and in so many other areas of our life. So I want to give you just real quickly a few things. If you haven't paid attention to anything up till now, I hope you'll pay attention to these next four things that I'm going to share with you. Four ways that I think we can actually advance in our message and our life equally. Ways that we can progress in this. Number one, I want to encourage you to avoid superlatives. Avoid superlatives. Here are the superlatives I'm, in, I'm encouraging you to avoid. And those of you that are English and grammar majors, you may say, well, these aren't superlatives, but I hope you'll go with me. Quit saying always and never. Always and never are like the path to hypocrisy. Well, I always, really? Do you always? Well, I never. Seriously? Nev- never? I, I would encourage us to get away from those extremes. I try to. My intention is. My goal is. This is the direction I want to be. My, my purpose is. Those are, those are great things to say. I always, I never, I think we're probably on a bad path already. Here's another one. When we are hypocritical, and we will be, when, we, when our life doesn't match with our message, overcome hypocrisy with humility. Overcome hypocrisy with humility. Sometimes in our hypocrisy, when somebody catches us, we kind of puff up and pry it up. And we're like, well, and we try to make an excuse. Don't double down. You're not going to accomplish anything. Overcome hypocrisy with humility. You know what? You're right. You're right. I, I, I should be different. You're right. You're right. You caught me. You saw it. You're exactly right. And when that moment comes, just as a, a, an expression of it, you can overcome inconsistency with apology. You know what? You're right. I'm, what's the word? Sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you had a hard time even saying it, didn't you? I'm sorry. You're right. Yep, you see it. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry. And, 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 you know, part of apology, <laughs> part of apology is saying that we're going to do something different next time, right? I, our youngest, when he learned the words, I'm sorry, we would say, hey, don't, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. So Micah would be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. This is the last thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. If I, could, if I could have you walk out of here thinking two words, these would be the two words. Over the course of this entire message, this would, these would be the two words. I'm sorry, and I'll do better. I'm just going to do better. I'm going to improve. I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. I wish that every single person in this room could walk out of here today thinking, I'm just going to do better. You're not going to win this week. You're not. You're going to still be a little hypocritical this week. 
Your life is not going to match up completely with your message. But you can do better. You can improve by 1%, 2% this week. I'm going to do better. I'm going to make sure that something that, that might have been inconsistent is going to be consistent this week. I'm going, I'm going to do better. From time to time, you'll invite somebody to church and they'll say, there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there. Don't try to change their mind. Don't try to change their mind. I've got two responses for you. The first response is, and there's always room for one more. Here's the second response, and this is a little less um, snarky. As believers in Jesus, the place where we are least hypocritical, meaning our life is matching up with our message, is when we're here giving worship to God. So when somebody says, yeah, there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there, say, you know, you're right, but you see them when they're hypocrites. Come see them when they're not. Come see them when they're actually doing what is inside of them. Be a part of the body of Christ. And then do better. And don't be the excuse that somebody else gives to not be a part of the church. Or even more importantly, don't be the excuse that somebody gives to not be a part of the body of Christ. There's a lot standing in the way of faith. Let's not let our behavior, our inconsistency, our hypocrisy be another level that somebody has to break through to get to Jesus. Instead, let's be an example to them of what it means to live and to practice and to act by faith in the one who has saved us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to just hear practical teaching from your word. God, you teach us so much. And God, I pray that just across this room, that the conviction that has been laid on our hearts, God, that we would do something with it. That we would not just say, oh, well, great. But that we would actually this week do better. That we would take a step. That we would just see you work in our lives and in our hearts. God, I thank you. I thank you for the way that you work in us. I thank you for the way that you've taught us. And God, I pray that today, in the areas of our inconsistency, that we would be convicted and that we would trust in you and believe in you. Father, we're grateful for all that you've done in our lives. Continue to show us your direction and help us to be faithful to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity to respond. And as we sing this next song, it really is a great chance. It's wonderful to sing words. It's wonderful to sing along. It's also a powerful thing for us to bow our head and to close our eyes and to shut everything out around us and to say, Lord, can I give you the prayer? Lord, this week, I want to do 